take the phone call, absolutely take it. Uh, but not here, out there. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, turn over there. Hope you're, uh, this finds you having a great, great holiday season. I know it's an, been an eventful one already. And uh, this morning I usually have my iPad ready to go and put my iPad out. Uh, but uh, as I turned my iPad on, I had no power. So I'm glad I printed off a copy of my lesson today. Well, we would have been preaching just from the Holy Spirit alone. Which I'm fine with at times. I'm good with that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm connected with God and I'm feeling good to go. Uh, but sometimes when you're used to having things certain ways, I think God throws monkeys and wrenches in our lives to kind of give us perspective. And don't get comfortable. So here I am with my notes. Uh, not used to what I'm having my iPad out here. But my iPad is charging. And my kids love my iPad. I think my kids use the iPad more than I do. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it's all perspective. Amen, church. Uh, do be getting your notebooks out. Please tone your phones off. I, in all sincerity, I think this is the most important week, a uh, time of the week for you. I think it's a great time to welcome to my spiritual family here in Metro East. Uh, people I love deeply. Uh, people who see the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, you see it every Sunday. Here it is. Um, this is who I am. And uh, I, I tend to be honest and real and genuine. And uh, it is great to have the Pearsons from Denver here. Good morning. Pearson family. Uh, we're all about family, and they are family. They're from the old school family, and so it's good to have you guys welcome. Good to have uh, you guys welcome in here. I'm sure it's a little bit warmer here than in Denver, uh, so hopefully it's not just warm in the room, but warm outside as well. Uh, but it's great to have you guys here. You know, um, it's, for some, it's been, been a tough year so far, and even a tough month. You know, the other day I got up and uh, decided to go for a prayer walk, and it was raining. And uh, I didn't have my umbrella. Uh, but I had my sweatsuit on, and uh, the, the repellent, the water was rushing off me, but a little more on my head than normal. And as I'm walking, I see a young man in front of his house just uh, crying and smoking his cigarettes. And, you know, I, I, every part of me want to keep on walking, because I'm praying. This is my time with God. But I'm a Christian, too. And I can't forget that. And so I just said, hey, you know, how's your morning going? What's going on? He said, um, my mother passed away in her sleep. And I said, man, I didn't, well, anything you can do, I'm your neighbor, I'm across the way, my wife and I, I know um, your husband takes care of the football, uh, the Cerritos Steelers, and uh, my hearts are with you guys. Uh, he just starts crying, didn't know how to, quite how to process, and I'm not quite sure how to process either for losing my mother overnight uh, in her sleep, uh, but uh, we'll definitely be praying for them, and uh, it, was, it was sobering. And then you, that Friday you go and get a chance to honor and, and encourage Sylvia Tatum-Smith and her family as she buries her father this past Friday. And then yesterday on the news, there's a Kansas City Chief football player who, uh, you know, I think he had a lot going on in his life. Uh, that probably maybe not everyone knew what was going on. And he decided to take his own life. And that's such tragedy. Uh, you know, at times we can, it's easy to be judgmental and look and go, oh, he must have been doing drugs. He must have, you know, we got to guard our hearts during the holidays and even any time of our lives. Amen, church. Amen. When you hear stuff, please, let's not be critical and judgmental. Uh, let's be compassionate. Uh, let's give people the benefit of the doubt. Let's, let's, our hearts and our prayers go out to the family and the Kansas City Chief Organization and to the young lady who lost her life because her boyfriend took her out. Uh, there's a lot of tragedy going on. And during the holidays can be, and I'm not trying to put a damper on, I'm just trying to put, be real. Uh, you know, I think some of you are going through some tragedies. I know Pam's flying back east to see her, her best friend's mom passed away of terminal cancer. Uh, and, you know, I think that there's a reason for these things. I'm not God. Amen? Yeah. And God is God. But it's important for us to get perspective from him. 
And uh, I think these are times that uh, allow us to go, hey, am I, am I going to get sobered by the reality of life? Right. Am I going to get, is God going to get my attention? Or am I going to grope aimlessly through this thing called life without him? Uh, prayerfully, you won't do that without him. But I think I want to you know, peek our hearts and our minds to make sure we're being thermostats, not thermometers. Yeah, thermometers are being influenced by the outside forces. Thermostats change what's inside. Amen. And that's what we as Christians have a chance of doing, being thermostats. We can, we can influence those around us. We can be the, the, the encouragement that they're looking for and craving for. And I think for me, it's just been an encouragement to know that God's word is our comfort. Jesus is our hope. And so as, as we go about our days, as we go about our lives, please, when you see a need, don't just walk by. Say something. Be a Christian. Be a disciple of Jesus. And just care. And I'm not saying give out money out of your pockets and pick people up in your cars and take them somewhere. Amen, church? Amen. But what I am saying is, is don't get so, oh, i got to get to work. Oh, I'm having my time with God. Not to meet a need. And I'm not saying I'm better than you because of what I did. I'm sharing that because I was convicted. Right. You see a need and you want to keep on walking. Then you find out, you're like, dang, man, how can I have a bad heart like that? Yeah. Just to be so self-absorbed when he's lost his mom in his sleep overnight and here I am just having a hard time with bills. Perspective. Drastic perspective, church. You let, us, let us be thermostats in this society. Let us influence them. Let's encourage them. Let's love them. Let's not be influenced by the circumstance. Amen, church? Today I want to talk about as, as each part does its work. And before that, I want to open us in a prayer to be able to pray for some of those needs I prayed for and mentioned. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Let's pray. God, as we uh, come together in worship, as we sing songs, as we appreciate the beauty of music and a voice, as we prepare for a holiday season with our family, without our family, as some of us go through the holiday season, we're, we're literally paralyzed by our emotions. Maybe some of us are encouraged, we're excited, we love, you know, 103.5 and all the Christmas music, and it's a great joy to us. And Maybe to some that are listening, they don't like the Christmas music. And to them, it uh, associates pain and loss of a loved one. And I pray that, Father, we would not be so naive, that we would be compassionate, that we would be the leaders and the followers and, and the beacons of light that you've called us to be as your followers to truly love people. Yeah, there are so many needs. Father, I pray continually for Anderson Marshall as he looks for a kidney donor for O Positive. I pray for Joni Johnson as she recovers and Angela Cruz and baby Mark Ochoa. Continue to be with him and strengthen the Ochoa family. Be with Larry McLaughlin his health challenges and James Crumpler and the oppositions in their health. Be with Dolores Smith and her migraines and stomach issues. Please be with Barbara Lawson's brother David who has terminal cancer. Pray that we can really comfort them. It's great to see Ray here and I pray you continue to strengthen the Lawson family. Put a hedge around the Lawson family, God. Strengthen them and help them be a beacon of light. Be with Lily Broussard and Janet Rivas' mom's friend who has terminal cancer. Her name is Raquel. And I pray that, God, we lift her name up to you. That, God, you can answer our prayers. Be with baby Miles. He's a four-year-old foster baby who was recently diagnosed with stage four cancer. Please, God, we lift him up to you. We lift up the foster family to you to help comfort him during his four or five or how many other years he has. That you can comfort him during his cancer. Be with Eric O'Brien who was in a car accident. And uh, Father, be with the O'Brien family comforting him during this time to really open his eyes and, and shook him up spiritually. I pray you'd really move in his heart. 
God be with those that have lost loved ones even this year, Leti Barbosa and Crescencio Montano, Tracy Alley and Anna Hollinsworth and Benny and Tamara Daniels and Emerald Magana and Sylvia Tatum-Smith and on and on. So many have lost loved ones. I pray we could comfort each other and comfort them with the love you've given us. Please be with the singles ministry. Continue to direct them and encourage us and encourage them. Be with the members of, our, of, of the congregation here, our kids, that, God, you would give them a pure, wholehearted devotion to want to follow Jesus. God, not to follow us, not to follow our example at times, but to follow Jesus. And I pray we could really encourage them through the scriptures to help them become disciples. God, be with Rick Alley going through a tough time, him and Tracy. I pray, God, you would put a hedge around the Alley family and help them as they deal with things. Be with the family of Jovan Belcher, the Kansas City football player. God, just comfort the family even now. Help even the team as even they're going to play a football game. I pray that, Father, you would move in, in, in the family's lives. And, Father, you would put saints and disciples in their path and others to comfort and love the family. God, be with, be with the family of Cassandra Perkins who had her life taken from her. And, God, we don't know the circumstances. We don't know the issues and the arguments and the, the opportunities for challenge and, and, and arguments. But, God, we pray that you would comfort the families. Help them bring some sense of semblance and reason and meaning behind what's going on. And God, the, the physical needs with Judy Rose and Gail Sweeney, God, having a baby. God, with Anderson and Dolores and their relationship, God, we just pray that we would lift up uh, our friends. God, be with Rose Romel Reyes as they continue to forge and really pursue walking with you and understanding the, the, the dreams you have for their life and their marriage. And God, we lift up everyone here, God. We lift up our families. We lift up this time that you would comfort us with your love. You would give us wisdom and direction. God, in our time and your word this morning, Father, I pray you'd move in our hearts. Speak to each of us and help us as we learn, as we deal, as we cope, as we follow. We love you, Father, so much. We thank you for this time of prayer. We thank you for this fellowship that we can be safe and that we can lift up others. We need you. We pray in Jesus' name. The church says, amen. You know, today I want to speak about as each part does its work. You know, Paul wrote the book of Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, to the, to the church in, in Ephesus, to a city in Ephesus. And uh, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 and 11 through 16, and I'm going to make some comments here. But, you know, th th this chapter to me is, is, and I can say this confidently without saying it any other way, but this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Because it's really about relationships. And I really believe this chapter has, has gold, wisdom, and nuggets beyond our years to teach us how we need to re really treat our relationships in the church. And not just in the church, but how to treat relationships in your family. And it gives us perspective on understanding what God's plan is. And I know, I know the Apostle Paul, you know, the city in Ephesus was a worldly city. I think L.A. is a, a bit similar, 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 similar. Would you not agree? A bit worldly of a city. Hollywood, that's all you got to say. City of lights. You know, a bit, a bit worldly, a bit of, of the money and the financial opportunities go beyond our years. And you've got plastic surgery, you know, going alive. And yet we got the poor amongst us still. Amen. And I think it's so important for us to understand this scripture. These, this, this whole chapter gives us wisdom into our own lives. And wisdom into how we need to treat relationships. Or maybe how you were mistreated. And how things weren't maybe the best earlier. Well, well let me give you some comfort this morning. That I want to help us as, as each part does its work. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then. I urge you to live a life of the, worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, regardless of how you're treated. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, 
bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Look at verse 11. So Christ gave so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and fullness of Christ. Then we would no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of the people and their deceitful scheming. Instead... Speaking the truth in love. We will in all things grow up, into, grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as what? As each part does its work. You know, there's a responsibility as a Christian that you have a responsibility to follow God. But you also have a responsibility as each part does its work. Aren't you grateful you have just one body? Amen. I'm grateful I have one. I'm trying to maintain and take care of the one I got. I'm barely having a good time doing it. But I'm so grateful that we have one body as a body of believers. And it's important to understand you need one head. Anyone got two heads? No, I didn't think so. But the, the norm is you have one head, you have one body. I mean, there's, there's a pattern Paul's trying to teach the Ephesus church, understanding that there's oneness, there's unity. There's, it's important that we shoulder the responsibility together. And I'm so grateful not just one person is a part of this church, but many people make up God's church because we're different. Aren't you glad you don't have the same character flaws that I have? Amen. I'm so glad you're not like me. Man, it would be lonely all being like Doug Lovering's up in here. Because I'm a selfish person by nature. But I'm so grateful I'm not like you either. And I don't look like you. Take it where you leave it. But I'm grateful. And I'm grateful I'm not the same color as you. I'm grateful we're different. I'm grateful you have different cultural experiences than I have. If we had the same things that Doug have, it would be a lonely, lonely world. Much wouldn't get done if it was on Doug's timetable. And I'm so glad. Now, Paul's trying to help the church in Ephesus go, you know what? It's about working things through. You know, Christianity is a hard sport. I say sport because you come and you see each other and you're at, at different junctures and you have relationships and things come up and things come in your relationship. And for me, I love that it says, you know, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you, okay, no matter how you're treated, to live a life worthy of calling you received. Be completely humble. I think we could just stop there and have one sermon. Be completely humble. Oh, man, keep on going, Doug. I don't like that part. You know, you know, and, you know Christianity is hard. You're going to have bumps. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have, well, I don't like that. She hurt my feelings. What? But we've got to work it out. The chapter says what? Unity and maturity in the body of Christ. We need to mature. I would say, it's safe to say, would you not agree that we are not mature as of yet? We're not mature. We're getting there. We're on the right road to recovery. But we're all in the same fight together. 
And sometimes we feel like, well, everyone's mad at the world, and you're mad at the world, and you're the victim, or you've been hurt and you've been wronged. I'm not saying you haven't. But I'm saying what Paul's trying to help the church say, hey, hey, be completely humble. Make every effort. Did you make every effort? No. Make every effort. Oh, doggone it. I don't want to. I know. But, but, but the scriptures say be completely humble. Make every effort to add, to be unified, to, to fight for unity, to be on the same page. You know, there's a difference maker in society, and that's being humble. That's following the way of the cross. And I think for me as a church, so many times we can have one person doing it, but the last part of verse 16, you know, one body, I'm so grateful that we have one body, and I appreciate Ray sharing that scripture in Romans 12. Write that one down, Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 8. Get a time to read that. That is amazing about the body and the unity of the body. And so I want to talk about as each part does its work. You know, if we had a mindset, regardless of circumstance, regardless of what we think, we should be doing, regardless of who leads what, regardless of our circumstances. If we have the mindset God has for us in this passage, I believe we'll be that much more unified and we'll be that much more closer. Because it's important for us to understand we need to what? Share the responsibility of this church. Who is the head? Jesus. Amen? And who is the body? Me and you. We're the body. And I'm grateful that we're all not the same. And what Paul's trying to really address in the church, you have to understand the church in Ephesus, let me explain some things about the context. See, in real estate, what's the most important thing of real estate? Location, location, location. What's the most important thing spiritually? Context, context, context. You have to understand the context of what's going on in the scripture and not just explain away, just be humble. Well, no, why is Paul saying being humble to the Ephesian church? Well, let's understand why he's explaining for them to be humble. The context of Ephesians is it's a prominent city in the Roman Empire. And among the major things the city was known for, it's the headquarters of religion. And religion that doesn't follow God. It's called the Artemis Temple. And so in Ephesus was this huge temple that these people worshipped a goddess. And they worshipped her and they followed her and they were more focused on worshipping idols than worshipping God. And so Paul had to come in and say, hold up, who's the head again? Not this woman, not this Artemis. The head is Jesus. He had to explain to these Ephesians that it's not about this goddess. It's not about having this religion. It's not about going to a facility, going to a building that saves you. Amen? Amen. It's, it's understanding who you're following. It's having comprehension of what you're doing. And so Paul's addressing an important issue in the church, understanding that it's not just about religion. It's not just following people because everyone else is doing it. Sound familiar? Not just going to the same thing over and over because everyone else is doing it. Do you want everyone else's relationship too? Do you want everyone else's finances as well? You can't barely take care of your own. Why do you want someone else's? And it's so important for us to understand you got to take care of you and take care of yours. Now not be selfish amongst it. Amen, church. But it's important for us to understand the context as Paul's addressing an important issue of the false religion in the Ephesians. Because it was about self. It was all about them. It was all about what they were going to get. It was all about, well, I go to this temple goddess and I bring all these things and I'm doing all these things, but I'm not close to my wife. I'm not close to relationships. I'm not close to other people. And Paul's saying, wait a minute, it's not about you and your lifestyle. And Ray making all the money. It's not about the money. 
It's really not, and we can attest it. It's not about the money. It's about having something that you can look in the mirror and be proud of. Amen. And be confident of. And Paul was trying to implore on the church's behalf, hey guys, it's not about this goddess. It's not about fitting in. It's not about having the money. It's not about being like the Joneses. And most of the Christians in that city were converted from an idolatrous, religious, traditional, ritualistic lifestyle. And so Paul was like, we got to change and re reboot your computer. Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about being humble. It's about making every effort. It's about being, remember what you were called. You were called to hope and follow Jesus as a Christian. He's addressing the Christians because they had old tapes that played in their heads. Amen. And so they were trying to really understand the diverse backgrounds and the understanding of the idolatrous belief that these people had. And so that's the context of what he's dealing with. And so it produced a congregation that's dedicated more to what people wanted and the culture than what was right and the body. More focused on the results than focused on why you do the, the things to get the results you want. Addressing the heart. And so what Paul wrote directly connected to what the scripture is saying. It's connected urging the Christians to live in a manner worthy of the calling of Jesus. Not this goddess. Oh, that's right. Remember, I'm a Christian now. Some of us need that. You know, that's why God puts people in our path. That's why God puts a song on the radio sometimes to go, oh, that's probably not good for me to be doing. There's a reason why things allow, because Paul's trying to urge the Christians to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. How's your week this week? Have you lived a life worthy of the calling? You know, Jesus, Paul's trying to help them, urging the Christians to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, as they were forbearing with each other in what? In love. Speak the truth. Remember how you, back in the day, I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell you, you need to change this and you need to change this. And man, that's not speaking the truth. You're just tearing my character apart. You're not building my faith up. You're just telling me the truth. Well, I'm not saying some of the things what they're saying is correct. But it says speak the truth in love. There's a difference. So don't just air your or dirty laundry. Don't air your opinions. But make sure it's in love. And, you know, Paul's helping urge them to have perspective, understanding the spirit of God promotes the bond of peace. See, why are we fighting? There was fighting going on in the church. Well, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. I'm going to do it my own way. Paul's like, hold up. We're one church with one head and giving them the direction. You know, for me, I think of, you know, why all the emphasis on Christ? Why did Paul say that, you know, we've got one body and we've got one head? What I really believe, Jesus was and is the glue that's going to hold the body together. You know, last time I checked, I don't think Alan Caminetti was the head of the church. Come on. I think Alan would say, praise God. Amen. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that we can say the thing that's going to hold us together is Jesus. He's the decision maker. Well, what does that mean? Well, when you go through opportunities of and your challenges, don't just react how you feel. Go back to what the scriptures teach. Because that's the acid test of your faith. Now, we're starting to preach a little bit. As each part does its work. Well, I love the fact that you set up sound. And you have, but, but what do you do to help do your part and work and help the church? Well, I come every Sunday at my Sunday best. That's awesome. And you look fantastic. I don't like the cologne, but that's your choice. <laughs> but what I am saying, when you do come, Paul's just saying, from him the whole 
body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What are you doing to help build up the body of Christ? Come on. Well, it's Metro East. No, no, this is the body of Christ. So what are you doing to help build it up? Well, I don't have time. Join the club, take a number, I'm first in line. <laughs> but it's important for us to understand that Paul was trying to teach the church in Ephesus. We understand the busyness of life. I understand the ritualistic and traditions you have and all the things that you're used to. But I don't want you to be comfortable. I want you to be uncomfortable that Jesus is the head. No longer what you grew up believing. No longer all the things that the world talks about. We've got to get perspective. You know, for me, as each part does its work, is so important. You know, my son just, is just completing football, flag football. By the way, Ray, Ray Lawson, he's a champion. Darius's team won the Super Bowl yesterday, so amen for that. Cerrito Steelers are the champs. They, beat, they won yesterday 28-0. But, you know, I learned this lesson. My son, Jarek's playing flag football. And he has, he was the quarterback. How important is the guard on the football team? How important is the center on the football team? How important is the quarterback on the football team? How important is the running back on the team? Now, who's the most important person on the team? The team. God, you're spiritual. Awesome. Way to go, bro. But, but who's the most important person on the team? All of them collectively, as each part does its work. See, my son was having a little bit of a challenge because when they'd snap him the ball, he had no offensive line. So he couldn't, he got the ball, he'd scramble, and then they'd hand it off. So they figured out, once he got the ball, he'd toss it to the running back. He'd run out in the lineman like this, just stand there. And so it was like, okay, coach, a perfect opportunity to coach the kids. So prayerfully, over the past season, they changed drastically. So Jarek went from running for his life to having, having somewhat sort of a coverage. He dropped back, he could actually pass the ball. Whoa, it's amazing. But the point is, each person needs to do their part. To be on a football team or basketball team or whatever sport, if not just one person scoring 63 points, Michael Jordan. Or 81, Kobe Bryant. It's not just one person. It's the whole team makes up the team. And so it's important for us to understand, are we doing our part? Are we doing our part for the body. You know, March of 1981, President Reagan was shot by John Hinckley Jr. Yep. And he was hospitalized for several weeks. Although Reagan was the nation's chief executive, he was the president, he was the most powerful man in the country, his hospitalization had little impact on the nation's activity. Government continued on, America kept on ticking. On the other hand, the garbage collectors in Philadelphia, they went on a three Weak strike. The following week, Ronald Reagan was shot. That city was not only in a literal mess, but the pile of decaying trash quickly became a health hazard. Quickly, the city decided to meet with the garbage collectors. And a deal was sealed and inked. I imagine a three-week nationwide strike of garbage collectors would literally probably paralyze our country. Wouldn't you agree? So who is more important? The president or a garbage collector? 
In the body of Christ, seemingly insignificant ones are urgently needed. All of us are needed. We all have significance. You all have an important role as each part does its work. Amen. Well, I'm going go on a strike. Well, we're going to go on a strike. We're going to lose a gift that you have to be able to help enhance the church. Well, we need to grow in that gift. We'll use it so we can grow in it. Don't sit back and wait for the minister because I'm not the head of the church. Jesus is. You have gifts. Use them. Amen. Don't sit on them. And I think at times we choose to be that guard on the offensive team and don't block for the quarterback. Come on. Well, hey, go ahead and go get him. I'm mad at him anyway. <laughs> he hurt my feelings. Well, go ahead. Go, go, go get him anyway. At different times we do that in our Christianity. I've been around 20 years. You don't know I've been hurt. Deal with it. Don't just avoid it. Because you're not edifying the body of believers. So no matter if you're a garbage collector or a president, you can make and have significant impact. And so can you in the fellowship. Close out here in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, the body is so important. And I don't have time to read this whole passage, but I think, you know, a lot of us have read this passage. And I think it's important for us to read a few things. But 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 26, take some time to read it. It says, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile or Filipino or African American or Vietnamese or Ethiopian, slave or free. That's my addition there, sorry. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Verse 24. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. Verse 24. But God has put the body together. See, God has brought you here together for a reason. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You know, for me, Paul reminds us that the head cannot do without the feet. That we are one body and we have different facets of the body. Maybe you're a fingernail. Hey, maybe you're the corn on my toe. Or the church. Amen, not on my toe. But no matter where you are, fingernail, thumb, elbow, wrist, fibula, it's important to understand you are a part of the body. And we have to have equal concern for each other. You know, Paul wrote to help these people understand to use their gifts to serve him. So my question I want you to think about for here and now next year, I want you to pray, what are you going to do to contribute to the church here in Metro East Ministries in today moving forward and in 2013? What are you going to do to contribute to be a part of the body, to be a functioning part? Don't just come and enjoy the fringe benefits. Amen? Come and do something. Move a chair. Clear out the sound. Help us. Get involved in the community. Help us get more connected to people. Help us use your gifts to help accentuate the body. And I think the world has it backwards. We think, let me focus on me first, and then I'll take care of others later. Jesus says, I came to die for you. I didn't come to die for me. Jesus came for us as a whole first. And then he could deal with his issues as he moved forward. And that's the thing I want to encourage us, as being a part of the body, as each part does its work, that we need to understand that you're an amazing part of the body. 
Please, I implore you on Christ's behalf. Don't just sit in the chair and have opinions of what's wrong and not be willing to help. Even when I wasn't a minister in Vegas, I saw all the things we need to grow in as a church. I saw all the things I wish we spoke more of and we preached more about this and we did more about this and we did more about this. Well, that's why the Spirit put on your heart to talk about it. So what? We can grow as a church. And sometimes we sit there and we're critical and we point out things and we don't even say anything and we're not willing to lift a finger. And why do we wonder why we're so bitter? And we're so... We're, we're so concerned with the church not having this aspect of the church. Well, we'll grow. If, if that's what God's put in your heart, then help us help you help the body of believers. Amen? Amen. You know, something amazing about the symphony. You ever heard a symphony or an orchestra? Yeah. And for me, I'll never forget. I want to play this piece of music here if you can cue it up. But this was what, I took music in college. And it was my upper division GE music class. So I had no choice but to take it. But I love what I love about The symphony is what each part does. If you turn it up a little bit. You know, it's interesting. Who knows the, who knows the mus- musician who created that piece? Bach, not Beethoven. The most famous. I love this. The joy of man's desiring. Everyone's heard this song before. But what if just the piccolo played? What if just the trumpet played? What if all we heard was just the cymbals? And only the clarinets played? Hopefully you understand the point. We're a symphony. You have an instrument. You have a gift. You've got it in that little case you carry with. It's called your life. It's time to open up that case and let the music play. Let's be a symphony in Metro East Ministries. Let's play our instruments. Let's use our gifts and let the music play. Because as each part does its work, church, Jesus, the head, will be glorified. I love you guys. Amen. Amen. Amen.